0: Hey everyone, how you going? It's Nellie here. Happy New Year to you. Don't know where that came from. Hey, we at the Dear Nelly team hope 2024 is full of love and adventure and rest and all the things, whatever that looks like for you. And thank you again for your continued support for this funny little podcast. Now, we've got some very exciting news. We have another live show coming up. This one is on Thursday, the 8th of February at the Malthouse Outdoors at the iconic Malthouse Theatre in Melbourne as part of their annual podcast season where they showcase mm -hmm, the best podcasts around. I am thrilled to confirm that the lineup includes me, obviously, hosting. We also have comedian, author and broadcaster, Sammy Shah jesus he's funny he's so great on radio he's so great at all the things some of you may know him from the australian story on abc which featured the incredible tale of him and his now wife academic Kylie moore gilbert who was sentenced to 10 years in Iranian prison, but thankfully made it home. What a love story. We also have comedian and dear Nellie favourite, the incomparable Kirsty Wiebeck, who also happens to be one of my strawberriest of strawberry friends, and I know you all adore her. And last but not least, oh my god, we have comedian and actor Lizzie Who. Lizzie Bloody Who. She's on all the comedy specials, on all the streaming services. And no doubt she's one of the hottest bloody comedians going around. Now, I mean hot as in popular, but you know, you go with whatever. So, look, I urge you to get in and book tickets via the Malthouse website or my website at nelliethomas.com. And of course, there are links in the show notes. A couple of other quick reminders keep your calls coming. If you can, join Patreon or Acas Plus for 5 bucks a month for bonus episodes and other rewards. This year paid subscribers will get live Zoom events with me throughout the year where we can do Q&As and interact. Now this podcast was recorded in the council area known as Darabin in Melbourne. I would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land, the Wurundjeri peoples of the Kulin Nation and pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Last but not least, some things don't change, moles. This is a sex, dating, and relationships podcast for adults. If you don't like swearing, it's really going to give you the shit, so
1: off your fuck. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com.
2: Dear Nelly, I could use some advice, dear Nelly, yes some help would be nice, dear Nelly, I'm eager to hear your point of view, dear Nelly, there's a lot to explore, dear Nelly, when you're 40 or more, dear Nelly, so I'm hoping we can talk.
0: Welcome to Dear Nelly, Sex, Relationships and Dating from the Other Side of 40, and we are joined, oh my god, da, we are joined by Jacinta Parsons, broadcaster, author, just ingenue about
3: town. I like that. No one has ever said those words before. They will now. Now I'm going to put it in my bio so that- <laughs> You, you should have really crazy things in the bios just to make, you know, when we go to festivals and stuff, they read out things. I love it.
0: I love that shit. Like I always try and put something kooky in. Like I was a BMX champion. Were so, you? Good? Yeah, I was many moons ago. So for me it's sort of I like that in my intro so that when I come on stage I'm confounding expectations because I don't look like an elite athlete, Jacinta.
3: Well, I would I would hazard to argue with that, but I mean, how much have you spoken about your BMX championship life? Yeah, not I mean, not a great deal. You buried the
0: lead on your whole existence. <laughs> Thank you so much, because people, whenever I'm introduced with that, it's like all my whatever professional achievements. That's all I care about, and no one else cares.
3: How can they not? That's one of the best things I've ever heard. What yeah. do you mean when you say champion? Were you like how old and for how long, and what did you win? Under 30. Well, the peak of my
0: career was under 13 state girls WA BMX champion. Yeah, Get out of here. yeah, man. I had a red line, I had like a white bodysuit with a red um, lightning strike down it, I had a red helmet. I had to race the boys until I was. Ten, because there were really no girls riding. It wasn't until I started like touring to compete
3: oh, that I started you jumped through like flame hoops and stuff. Or was it just <laughs> more like doing the jumps and like skidding out and stuff? All that. Well, my final, the last day of riding
0: since you've raised it was me attempting to do. I don't know if you remember. You know, if you have like the big double jumps. So there's low doubles and triples. There's a high double and I was in a championship and thought, I can, you know, I'm Nicole Kidman. Of course, <laughs> I can fucking do that. Like, let's go. And I locked bikes with <laughs> midair and one of our pedals went through my guts. Oh, my. Yeah.
3: So that was the first ride,
0: first ride. First ride in the ambulance, last ride on the BMX. That is so, this
3: is a book. <laughs> woman oh my god how incredible I love that so much because like that's that's like a thing you only could imagine as possible and um do you ride a bike now like you're a BMX bandit still or is that
0: um I did for some time like I was a big bike rider when I lived in the inner city I'm in the burbs now when I was in the inner city I didn't have a car so I rode everywhere even when I had kids um, but now, as is the classic Australian dream, I'm I'm too far from everything to to ride that. And I'm too old and fat, Jacinta. Like you I don't go. want to arrive somewhere sweaty.
3: But could you go onto a course and do some
0: business? Or, <laughs> I, I would venture a guess that I would attempt it, but that I'd end up being too heavy. It's like cartwheels, you know, where you go, I can totally do that. And then you go, no, no. I weighed 40 kilos when
3: I was doing it. <laughs> it's like monkey bars. Like monkey they're possible as uh, with an adult body. Yeah. Oh, oh now. That's the best thing that's happened today. Oh. I, even this week is finding that you <laughs> will be a next bandit.
0: I'm gonna send you some pictures, but hey, talk to me, talk to me, because it's your intro. Okay. Is broadcaster, is that how you would define yourself
3: professionally? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I, I feel spiritually um, connected to broadcasting. Okay. I feel like I did it when I was eight years old in my bedroom. Did you? I, I made shows constantly. Oh. I did live OBs where I would perform the radio show and I would pre-record like Bob Hawke, um, his answers to my questions. That was me being Bob Hawke. Uh, oh, my God.
0: Can I give you a moment of serendipity? First of all, OB means outside broadcast for people listening. Um, Bob Hawke, so my, I use SpeakPipe for people to ring in with um, listener questions because obviously it's an agony aunt kind of situations. The picture of me on the SpeakPipe on the website is me imitating Bob Hawke because I'm a huge Hawke fan. I nearly did a thesis on Keating, like that whole era and it's hawky in the robe with a fag
3: and a beer. Oh my God, this is what we call, yeah, magic. This is okay. what we call love. Yeah. Yeah. So I,
2: I love mean,
0: love it. <laughs> so little JP's in her bedroom and, and or doing outside broadcasts interviewing an imaginary
3: Bob Hawk. Yeah. So it was me being Bob Hawke giving the answers to the questions that I posed live.
0: Mate, you are mental.
3: Why? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we And, you know, because it's one of those beautiful um, propositions that when you're eight or however old, you know, that kind of seven yeah. and eight year, there's that idea that you ask a child, what are you? Yeah. And And they're close to the truth of what might eventuate, whether that's because you've seeded it into your kind of consciousness and then you therefore live it out, or whether there's some kind of sense of knowing who we are very early on.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I reckon, I think it's a bit of column A, a bit of column B, because life and a sense of responsibility knocks that stuff out of you. Yes. Right? Like I had, I remember writing a story, the exact same thing. I'd kind of gone, oh, I want to be a teacher or a nurse or all the things that I thought were, you know, normal for little girls to want. And my pivotal grade three teacher went, no, you don't. Like what do you actually want to be? Because you're not that kid. And I'm like, I want a magic carpet and I'm going to be called Wawani. And you pretty much
3: did that as a BMX bandit
0: flying (laughs) through the sky. There you go. Oh, I love that. And so you then end up in community radio and you and I know each other from ABC radio where you are, where have you been working for like 10
3: years? You've been working on ABC
2: radio.
3: I started out as the music um, director for local radio and then, Did everything possible to find my way onto air because I'd been working at Triple R before that for about eight years, doing various shows, working on kind of live music, et cetera. Yeah. So I loved being on air. I love Mm. the magic that happens as a broadcaster. But it's so interesting that you say that, you know, all that stuff gets knocked out of you and the pragmatism of living in this world that we're in kind of takes hold. That is exactly what happened to me, and I didn't Mm. follow that desire to do radio until I got really sick. My whole world was decimated, Mm. and it was just like a point where I was in like my late 20s, said, oh, God, what do I actually want to do? And then Mm. went through the process of finding my way back to perhaps what was always supposed to happen.
0: Always meant to be. You know, it's it's, it's such a fraught area, as you well know, because you've written a book on it. And we'll get on to that. But, you know, I have a kid with a chronic illness. You've suffered chronic illness for a long time. I'm always loathed when people are like, what's the silver lining? And what have you learned? So I want to go, fuck off. Like, we're not resilient. We're limping. This is really hard. You know, having said that, I see the same thing that you've said in her, where she has had such a gift of being, she's still only 16, I don't think she will ever live for someone else's script. She knows it. what it means to have the rug pulled out from under you and normal be ripped up and she, that kid is going to do her own thing for the rest of her life.
3: I love everything you've said there because I totally agree and the reason why I wrote the book Unseen the way I did was whilst I'd already had the experience of what that can bring you, which is um, an incredible insight Mm. i don't think it's right necessarily to tell the story of illness like that like oh it's magical Mm. of discovery because the reality of it is all that other stuff as well and Mm. we need to find space and compassion for the limping and for the Mm. the reality of what it is if we find something that's not because it's necessary that we should Mm. you know Maybe it's a, a a wonderful byproduct, but mm. you know, I think it's you, the cautiousness around talking about illness through that frame. I think you're absolutely right, and I a thousand percent agree with you. But <laughs> it has been for me, for you, experiences. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's both. I mean, I just hesitate
0: because yes. I know, and you know this. Like, I mean, I do a monthly gig with a bunch of carers. And these are not the kind of carers that make everyone feel better. They're not going to a function and eating cupcakes and going, what a privilege. These are the kinds of carers who can't leave the house, um, who can only meet via Zoom, who even then find that difficult. Some are literally, and I mean literally housebound. And the idea of saying to them, oh, wow, look at you developing your resilience. Like if I, I would want to punch me in the face, you know it's like the what they need and it's unpalatable for the rest of us to hear they need more help they need money they need superannuation they need do not
3: tell me all the lessons are good like they're fucking limping i want to hug you via the screen right now because that's what we lose yeah go too quickly to the end of the story What we is the deep compassion, our need to slow down and listen and actually respond to what is happening Mm. rather than this magical kind of outcome. And, Mm. again, it's there and it's all that stuff, but mostly society needs to just really take on um, what the needs are of Mm. carers or health Mm. systems and all the things that are going on and telling the truth around that stuff Mm. I think is still vital that yep. we hear the hard stories of
0: it can i put you because obviously oh my god i could talk about chronic illness and so could you all for the entire time but i'm interested we've had this a couple of times someone quite rightly and th- i'll thank her again corrected me when I was talking about my experience going on the apps initially and I was kind of being funny and flippant and going, oh my God, I don't want any pen pals. Like stop with all the fucking messaging. Cause it's like, it can go on and on and text, and are we ever going to meet up? And a lovely woman rang in and quite rightly said, look, I have a chronic illness. Um, that's all I can do. And that's been a real lifeline for me you know, to be able to have that, like, flirtation and a bit of frisson and whatever, that's all I can offer. But I'm not playing games. I'm not mucking around. It's my limitations. And she's quite right. And I wonder, if can you
3: speak to that? Well, in a strange kind of comparison, we've had that pushback as well when we do radio and mm. we say, I just really want to talk to you. Use your voice. Mm. With us. That's what we love. And the importance of explaining, well, actually, you know, All I can do, and it's a massive deal for me, is text you. So push it about wanting more or or wanting it different. In terms of, um, I guess, you know, getting on the apps, I haven't. So no experience. Yeah. But I do think, you know, that enormous vulnerability of of having stuff that you can't. And I think at this age. Disclosing. um, Disclosing. Mm. And kind of realizing uh i mean yeah i think the barrier for getting involved with anyone else is so high in some yeah. ways there's yeah. so much stuff yeah um that it's quite disconcerting it can be i definitely think you can go
0: in and out of that is my own experience and what i hear from callers but i agree i mean they say you cannot get to our age and not have accrued some wounds, whether they're physical, psychological, emotional, and how do they interact with the other person's wounds? Yeah. And that's a real dance of kind of working out, like the word triggers overuse, but you know what I mean? Like your shit might be triggering my shit and we might not even know we've got shit. Yeah. (laughs) Like how much insight do you have? Can you tell me when, what year was your last date And
3: I mean first date. Oh oh my god! Let's go back to 1990, like five or six. Yes, girl. Oh my god, the Keating years. (laughs) Yeah, the Keating years, babe.
0: That's wow. So 1996. (laughs) Like I think mine was extreme. When I started dating, I'd I'd be like, Oh my god, I haven't had a date since like 1998. 1996. So we if and when you ever decide to start dating, because you for context, you've been in a long-term relationship that ended about 18 months ago. Okay. When if and when you decide to go on a date, you'll be entering a world that is completely different.
3: That's right. And that's part of I mean, there are so many barriers for entry in my heart and spirit that yeah. are probably real, but they're there. Mm. That's one of them. Mm. I, You know, this whole, I mean, uh, you know this very well. I'm sure a lot of people listening to this know this so well. This was not the way we did it. No. Know? And this sort of scrutiny of each other and the ways that are mm. we probably quite good, but mm. quite cumbersome mm. was not how it happened. You mm. you would get to know someone gradually and you would put faith and hope into something. Mm. Mm.
0: Yeah, so, And you get the vibe of the thing. And sort of see how that, yeah, it's a completely, would you like, this is not how I was going to start, and I know you're not ready for dating yet, and I think that's a really interesting conversation and we need to validate that to kind of go, you don't have to be ready. You don't have to go, well, I'm 18 months, it's time, it's time. Like we've got callers who go, I'm out, I'm out for good. And I go, fair enough, know thyself, you know? Like don't go into it because everyone's telling you to you might be perfectly content in your own company great yeah winning That's but right. let's go down a rabbit hole of hypotheticals assuming that one day you might date do you have questions for the lovely lady in
3: front of you who's a little oh, bit yeah. down that track um can you avoid the apps yes but where you know then the question is what does one do in the world
0: so i reckon this is very specific advice to you, though, because particularly in Melbourne, but probably brought more broadly, you have, you know, you're, you're a Melbourne personality. You've got a profile. I think the apps would be actually more complicated for you than most. There is one that I've already told you about that you can go on that kind of gets around that a little bit. But I, my advice to you would be, and it's really hard to do, you've got to tell everyone you know you're looking and what you're looking for because people don't, at our age, and it's not conscious, they don't think, oh, I'll set, just interrupt. But if you say to 10 friends, you know, you're a people person, you would know 10 people that (laughs) you could say to, right, I'm ready, this is my rough criteria, keep that as broad as you can, like don't be too kind of restrictive, and I bet you there'll be someone that one of them will go, Oh, I hadn't thought of this. But now that you say it, how about this? And and do it that way. Did you do that? I did initially. Yeah. How I did. did that go? Yeah, really well. Yeah. Really well, yeah. I mean, it didn't eventuate in, like, I'm not with that person now, um, but I don't consider it a failure.
3: No. I, I think but it, it eventuated good. in something that. Absolutely. Lasted. Wow.
0: Absolutely. And it's a bit, it felt a bit safer um, emotionally in all the senses to kind of go well I know that this person is known by someone that I respect mm. so unless they've got a really bad read um uh, there's a there's a some element of vetting yeah I love but that do that when you're ready and don't be speaking of ripping up the script normalize it don't be ashamed of that let people know. Right, mama's on the tear. Let's go.
3: <laughs> Let's see what that. happens. And that would be exactly how I would say it. Mama love is it. the tear. Yeah, yeah. And then I guess how do you how do you know that you are ready to go into that world? You don't. You don't. I think You're like your
0: mama bear right now holding me. Yeah, the, the... <laughs> I, I'm so now I'm going through my little black book in my head going who oh, i can set you up with bill i know you're not ready and i'm trying to also respect that <laughs> um how do you know i think you know when you're not ready and that's actually you are that's where you are from my senses yeah you know when you're going i'm really enjoying this space on my own i don't feel i mean i know this is crass but it's like if you're not thinking oh i'd really like a pash or I'd really like someone to like sleep over, and I don't even mean sex. I mean, I mean, that's obviously part of it, but I mean that kind of intimacy that's very physical and someone in your space, if the thought of that, and I was there for a long time of kind of going, absolutely not, I'm so enjoying having my own bed, just as an example, like the luxuriousness of a queen-size bed on your own. Mm
3: -hmm. If you're still there, ride that wave. Do you know that that was what you came on my show to talk about that experience and that was one of the things you talked about. And I almost think we could uh, trace back those (laughs) those initial moments of wondering about whether a separation would be good to that conversation.
0: Yeah, right.
3: Or just, you know, the autonomy. the The autonomy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's what it's about, right? It's not we make it because of the historical overlays and the religious stuff and whatever. We make it into something even perverse. That's why I say I don't think it's even necessarily about sex. It might be, and if it is, you go for it. But I think it's about are you ready to um, seed some of your physical autonomy yeah, and emotional and spiritual and whatever words you want to call it. I don't think you are
3: yet. Great. It's such a beautiful way to think about it, isn't it? Because it's, and I think that is a very empowering way to think about it. Yeah, Are you may yet to seed that? Because that is what really happens at the end mm. of the day, isn't it? And that can be a joyful, wonderful experience. Mm. But if that still turns your tummy, yep. that's a really good indication that that's not where you're at. I love yes. that. I think the other thing on that,
0: level and I really noticed this myself and I've heard it from other callers this is why it is very different to dating when you're 20 yeah. I think when you're 20 you give it all away without even thinking about it from yeah. our age you, you simply can't and should not do that and so one thing to note I think is if you have the tendency to give it all away pull it back but conversely if you won't give anything away. That's not how relationships work. You're not ready.
3: That's it. Oh, good bloody words. Now You know what I mean? I really do. Yeah. That is just a lovely framing and all of it's good. It's just where you are. It's just where you are. That's a really good, a really great way to understand it. And can I say to you, beautiful lady, speaking
0: of being where you are, This is, I mean, I assume this will happen because it happened to me and it happens to pretty much anyone who's dating. The first time you get rejected, which is probably going to happen, right, unless you find the, you know, next love of your life on your first date, Um, remember that it's not about a rejection of you. It's we're not right for each other at this time. Yeah. Or you're not the right person for me. That doesn't mean you're wrong. That doesn't mean I'm wrong. We it's probably circumstance and timing, and then grace, gracefully move on. It's funny
3: how that very primal, that young part of us, Oof. rejection. Mm. Same way, perhaps we always have, you know, of self. Yeah. But again, with the with the later in life, you can apply such different mm. different understanding and and reasoning to. To to it, I think that's such a good thing too, testing that muscle.
0: Oh, like little baby Jacinta, if she's anything like little baby Nellie, we'll fucking rage, right? There is like a little toddler in there kind of going, but why don't you love me? And yeah. then you even can step back and go, I don't even love you. <laughs> and- you know, like you got to be, and we've got a much better chance of that at this age of having that insight.
3: Yeah. And kind of
0: going, is this ego? I think this is ego. I'm not actually hurt. My ego's bruised.
3: Yeah, because it, it does feel um there's a bigness to it, isn't there? That's yeah. not real, but that kind of you put yourself that vulnerability that yeah. you know yeah. being see-through, and then not that not that that not being um enough for mm.
2: something
3: which is not the correct kind of way to see it, but that that's what arcs up
0: yeah for sure and that's all part of it i reckon it's just you've got a better chance of recognizing that and also then dealing with it than you would have when it was 1996 <laughs> um, can you tell me in as much or as little detail as you're comfortable with so you two were in a relationship for like 25 years yeah you no know, quite like a bloody long relationship how yeah. are you going being
3: single um initially I, like, I went through that, oh, my God, this is the best experience that mm. I've ever had, mm. and that lasted some time. And then I think the reality of suddenly being without family mm. around me 24-7 and me having a very clear identity within that family, yes, even yes. though I never thought I was sucked into that stuff, you know, I'm a feminist and I was like, I am just a woman who has this experience. Mm. But I had to come to terms with the fact that I had mm. that it was very painful to reckon with that loss. Yeah, that came upon me probably harder um, than it might have had I been more aware of my my relationship to the family unit that I had that I was part of. Yeah.
0: Oh, I completely can. I think everyone listening can relate to that. And this is without getting too much down a cultural studies rabbit hole, this is exactly how real power works. You don't see it. Right. Yeah. So if you've got the cultural capital of of the the 2.2 kids and the mum and the dad in the burbs, you're just living, you know, and you just pay you don't even recognize um how much approval that comes with. There's economic incentives, there's a whole range of Things that you're getting that you don't realize because you're the center.
3: Absolutely, and being humble to that, I yeah. think, was was a Hard. few months for me to recognize mm. how much i bought into it yeah. when I was telling myself I hadn't. Yes, and still, um, I have pangs of that loss. I think of what I I read into and spoke about and thought about. I think in that unconscious or in that privileged way, I suppose. Mm. Of- mm of that nuclear family mm. that, you know, at, at an intellectual level, I have huge issues yeah. with it. I don't yes. agree, but there is something else at play, strong mm. conditioning around that. Um, of course. And- I mean,
0: think about yeah. the set in, in going back to dating, same thing. There's an intellectual experience that's very different to a bodily and emotional experience. Yeah. So something as trivial yeah. as sitting at a family barbecue you might intellectually be kind of going i don't give a shit who's married i don't care doesn't matter i don't care who's got kids we're all just people all the while even unconsciously you are receiving messages that that the way you're living is good and that's, normal
3: that's right that's absolutely right so it offers that opportunity to kind of step outside the fishbowl oh, yeah. you know you know in the small way that a white woman can yeah. you know she's receiving lots of affirmative Mm. um, stuff for a whole whole range of reasons. Mm. But, yeah, it's a really, and again, not to go too quickly to the end of how fantastic that reckoning is. Mm. It's very brutal, Mm. um, but there is only kind of I think the path, if you're prepared to kind of get smacked in the face with it, Mm. is about Working out what the fuck you are, yeah. I don't have all that stuff. And what, what you else, want, what you want, yeah. all, of it, which is a really, you know, that's a that's a really cool thing to have as an older person, you yes. know, which I think happens in our lives in all sorts of ways, and this is just another one of those ways mm. that you have the opportunity to, to sort of step into the ring and see see what comes of it, mm. but. It's really
0: painful. It is incredibly painful. So what the terminology we use on, on on Dear Nelly is like you've got to sit in the shit for a while, yeah, you know, and that might come. One of the reasons, and um, regular listeners will know, our next segment is always Armchair Expert where I give you like a meme or a tweet or something, but I actually want to talk about the magnificent article that you wrote on this very subject, and I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, it was for the ABC And the thing that resonated so strongly with me is I expected after the end of my long-term relationship to be really devastated. And I wasn't. All right. Much like you, I was actually quite euphoric. It had been a long time coming. I wanted the autonomy. I wanted the space, all that sort of stuff. It took me, I reckon, a good year to be devastated. And then it really hit me. So I was sort of lulled into a false sense of euphoria, but then like you, and I'd like you to speak to this if you're comfortable doing it, then moved into embracing solitude, which is very different to loneliness.
3: Yeah. Wow. It it is because I'm writing a book at the moment as well on older women and wisdom. Mm. Older women in their 80s and 90s, our elder women, I should say, have deep experience Mm loneliness or solitude or both. Yes. And the way that they have spoken to me about it and what it looks like when it's quite profound. Oh, you know, tell
0: me, tell me, tell it, it, me.
3: Each of them have offered, you know, a different sort of take, but the resonance is the same. Um, one woman I spoke to the other day, a 93-year-old, mm. said um, that solitude is such an important aspect to understand Mm. how we do it, she said past takes you back and you land back in things that you long for mm. and that's when you feel lonely. Yes. She's the last person of her tribe is the way she described her life there oh, now, by herself on earth. Yeah. Um, and I said to her, how do you not be submerged mm. and dunked by that, that experience mm. of loneliness? And she said, um, I go outside and I hear the Maggie's. And this beautiful kind of re- um, realisation that nature, that the world has answers for us. I yeah. know that sounds whatever, but hearing that from her mm. was so beautiful. Another woman in her 80s was really strong on this and she said she'd gone through refugee camps up until the age of from 4 to 15 years of age and had to learn how to live by herself, really, surrounded mm. by people. And she said the strong women that are known through history are the ones that know how to validate themselves and live in solitude. Mm. And so she feels really strongly that it's something we should be teaching um, each other and our children yes. about. is Solitude is to face the uncomfortable yes. experiences of what being alone can bring us, but yes. not to frightened and hurry around and do things. It's like mm-hmm. that things when kids are bored, it's like fantastic. Wait yes. to see what comes of you now. Yeah. But for me, yeah, it was a really deep kind of um, experience of understanding the difference because the loneliness was so painful. Yeah. Feeling at such a loss. And in the same way as the 93-year-old, thinking back and going back to a past that you yearn for mm. is lonely, mm. And then transforming that into the same kind of questions around, well, who am I and what is it to be by myself here? Mm. What is my value? Do I have any? Mm. Because I I had to face that I didn't feel mm. at all like I had value anymore. Oh, darling, I know, mm. but that's the whole truth of it. Yeah, I, I get it. If I was worth cooking for. Whether I was mm. worth celebrating, why would? Mm. Because everything in my life had always been relational. Mm. I'd always been in relationship to children, to family, to everything mm. in close, close proximity, mm. but. Going through the experience of um like being with that, like not trying to get rid of that, but sort of transforming it into a different idea of power. Like yeah. how can we see it in a different light? How can we use the time to yeah. go up and down rather than linear? You know, yeah. what's going on? Let's go deeper, let's just see it, like mm-hmm. let's watch a bit more. And yeah, that. That changed that changed everything to the point where when you talk about seeding that space, mm. it's now quite a treasured part yeah. of our
2: existence.
0: Yeah, exactly. So the very the very thing that we are terrified of, we're now protecting.
3: Yeah, that's right.
0: You know, it's like, this is my dance space, that is your dance space, we're at the Kellermans. off you go. You know, like it's a, it's a profound experience and you can't skip the steps. So sometimes people ring in kind of go, oh, how can I get over heartbreak? How can I, you can't, you need to move through the process. It'll take some people more time than others. It'll hit you at different times. I think the thing that I want to say to you, and I don't know if this is depressing as fuck or really great, (laughs) I find it great, but I recognize the depressing element of it. You were alone all along. That's right. That's for right. me that when that hit me, that's when I went, okay, now I can, now I know what to do because you- something didn't get taken, right? That was actually always the case. I was living with certain illusions that we all do to, you know, existential dreads, a real thing, avoid it, avoid it. Mm-hmm. Once I started to embrace it. And I think having um, ironically, given this is where the conversation started, having a child, with a chronic illness has, has actually helped me do that because life is nothing like what I thought it was going to be like. And so I've had to slowly do that process and then do it again in terms of a relationship and kind of go, I know, and you know, this could happen to anyone
3: at any point. Yeah. When you bring up, because what you made me think of then as well was that First understanding of the aloneness when I was really, really sick. Yeah. And I was in my early 20s, so Mm. my world around me, whilst busy and happening, I was Um, so alone. Yeah. At that point, really, really cross about it. Like how can you not understand? Why?
1: A lot can happen in three years, like a chat bot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.
3: Why are you not beside me right now and helping me? Mm-hmm. To friends, to family, I was yeah. really, really cross about that isolation. Okay. And there was like, honestly, one kind of moment of, of, Oh, I'm alone. Yeah. And that is okay because anything above that, if I can be alone and do that, anything above that is a bonus. Yes. You know, any, any positive. Yes. I, I can't expect it. I can't. Yes. Hope that the world will give me the comfort. Nobody can comfort that pain. Yes. Nobody could have comforted me through the experience of that psychological experience mm. of illness. Mm. And realising that and letting everybody get a pass yeah, and this pathway to really genuine love and appreciation rather than lack.
0: Can I give you a concrete example? I remember I would sit there in, in the worst of those days, I would sit there and, like, I'd literally be going, where is everybody? Yeah. Like I don't understand, like if this happened to someone else, I'd take a lasagna, you know, whatever, all the things. And then once I started to get into shouting in the wind, I call it, like it's coming straight back at you. I'm the only one who's getting upset, you know, no one else can hear it. And then when I got to the point where, okay, acceptance is the key. Accept that this is where you are, this is where your child is, this is where other people in your life are and it's not personal then anything that anyone gave me I was grateful for instead of why didn't you give me more you know so if they brought a lasagna well why didn't you bring a dessert and why didn't you stay and have it with me and have a chat it's a real deficit mindset rather than kind of going wow Jacinta went out of her way to bring me over a tiramisu thank you so much I've never brought you
3: a tiramisu. Oh, no. <laughs> I know. I'm planting ideas. It's really true, and because I think it's part of the grief process as well. Yes, it that is. we find everything out outside of us because there's so much pain inside. It's like oh, fuck. It's it's belongs out there to yeah. the lack of love that I have. Yeah. But the wonderful, and again, I I've never spoken about it as much, but I love it because acceptance is the yeah. every. Yeah. Even speaking to these older women, yeah. accepting death yes. is, is what their their job is. And yes. they are mostly a hundred percent accepting of of that. So therefore there's no pain involved mm. necessarily. Well, unless you're um
0: in the same way that the the first few dates that you go on that don't work out will be devastating. After you've been on five or six and they don't work out, you go, okay, oh, well, you know, your ego might be bruised, you might be disappointed, but you'll bounce back quicker. Um, And I don't honestly mean this trivially, but I genuinely mean it probably because I'm reading the Stoics at the moment, but they're like, you need to contemplate your death and the death of the people that you love, not endlessly, don't dwell on it, but you need to face that regularly so that when that inevitability arrives... You
3: you actually have some muscle to deal with it. I have been since my illness. Well, particularly at the the crux of the danger that I felt that I was in, needed to know, knew that I needed to deal with my death. Yeah, it was such a fear of mine, and very triggered Mm. um, by illness and by fragility and mortality comes up to you. Mm. I went on and I still persist in. Dealing with and reading about and looking into the death, lean into it. I've leaned in yeah. so freaking hard. Yeah. Um, it's it, because they the. I mean, they say it and we know it, but living this stuff is really different. Which is why, again, speaking to older women, the elders, mm. um, the reality: this is mm. not. This is not now. Well, you might die tomorrow. Mm. You really may die tomorrow. Yeah, you know. Yeah. You've had to truly face but the freedom that comes with that and the love almost of living not in that really empty way but in a really interesting way when you take fear outside mm. of it or when you know you can handle that pain. Like- I was
0: just about to say the good news for you and for anyone listening, I think, who has been through the end of a long-term relationship, may not have even been long-term, a significant heartbreak even, what, however you want to frame it, the good news is you know you can do it. That's right. So the next time, if that happens, you go into a relationship, if you're anything like me, your biggest fear will be I can't do that again, you know, like protect, protect, put up your armour, all of that kind of stuff. And then there's a point at which you kind of go, but I can do it again, I've done it. I mean. I've done it. Like, yes, it's incredibly painful, incredibly painful, and dealing with disappointment of others and in yourself and a whole range of scripts and all of that kind of stuff. Yes, it's all very painful, but it is bloody doable. I have done it, and I know I will never be in a relationship that doesn't serve me.
3: I love that. I, I've sort of the, the visual that I have around that that I've had for for many years now is once you've touched the bottom of the pool, mm. you've gone down and touched the bottom and you've been at the bottom, mm. you're like, ah, okay, yeah. actually know the terrain. I'm not frightened of it. So you're actually, hundred. you're more, yeah. there's a greater capacity, I think, to, yeah. to risk because you understand your terrain. Yeah. Great, we, and, again, we don't want to yeah. flout up what illness does, but it shows you the terrain, shows you your capacity. Completely, and there are, in place even
0: now in 2024, cultural, historical, religious narratives that are literally designed with the intent of keeping women in particular frightened to leave marriages. Yeah. That bottom of that pool will rip your arm off and you will bleed out and you will have nobody and all of, you know, and, and, and. And I think you and I can both, from slightly different positions, but the same story go, that is simply not true. That is not to deny um, that you're going to feel at points like you're going to drown. Yeah, you, you are. are. But there is a point at which you will come up, and I'm laboring the metaphor, but you'll take that bloody big, deep breath when you hit the surface and you'll go, oh, thank God.
3: Yeah, you really will. Yeah. And I think there is there is something to be said for following what you know to be true. Mm. Because when you don't, I think I don't know, every experience I've had when I haven't followed where I need to be going comes back. It doesn't fuck it, it doesn't doesn't just chill. It just oh, complicated. <laughs> what lesson do you need
0: to keep learning? So Tom Ballard was on a couple of episodes ago and he's beautiful question, because I mentored him when he was like fourteen, right? So we have this sort of mummy-baby relationship, even though he's a big boy. Um, but he said, like, what's the lesson that you haven't learnt, that you sort of keep learning? And I think I'm much closer to it, but my answer was, like, actions over words, right? Yeah. I hear if someone says something, I kind of go, oh, great, that sounds, yeah, I believe you. Um, and just sort of getting into that. I don't want to be judgmental or cynical of people, but I've also got to like, look for more evidence, you yeah. know, um, and we all have that. We've all got one of those things and dating will test that, Jacinta. You yeah. realise even if you don't know what it is yet, it'll come up and you go,
3: shit, <laughs> I <laughs> thought I'd learned that one. Yeah. Well, it's very confronting even before, like in, in preparation for this. The, the confrontation is what am I giving away already even before I start? What am I saying is not enough, you know? Yeah. That yeah. Are, yeah. That are
0: gender- Well, can we do this before you even contemplate doing that? Me, you, a couple of Aperol spritzers, a pen, a piece of paper. I'm not big on, like, I refuse to do things like, oh, income brackets or hair colour or they've got to be this tall, like, all that shit, whatever. But there'll be deal breakers. And yeah. one of those deal breakers, for example, will be like, How do you feel after being in their company?
3: Yes. If
0: you feel like you're begging for attention or you feel diminished, or like you better dull yourself down, or you're too much, or you're not enough. Off you fuck. Next.
3: So good to hear you say and speak about it so clearly, because we have been taught since we were little not to trust that. For sure. You know, not to trust. If we if we if we don't feel good, it's probably our fault. You know, yeah. because we aren't good enough. I'm reading it wrong. Yeah, deep, deep stuff around well, because you're not good enough. So therefore yeah. you better try harder or yeah. you've got to be accepting all of that. It's 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 really cool to not be in a situation where I think where you can start making more of those choices about yourself. Mm. But yeah, being and aware
0: You know what, girl, you're starting from the best position because you don't need it. Yeah. Right. You're, you're starting from a position where you are happy as you are, yeah. or you wouldn't be trying to protect that autonomy. I don't think- so that's perfect because if and when you decide you want to date, they will have to be of a suitable caliber for you to
3: seed that autonomy. That's my massive problem for sure. Is that's that not I- a problem? Oh, it's a good thing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I love this
0: for you. You're coming back on. I'm not even asking you.
1: Right. Are you ready for a listener
2: call?
1: Yes, please. Ellie, love the podcast. It's amazing. I've been really enjoying it over the last year. Thank you so much for all of your wise words. My question is about navigating relationships with neurodiverse individuals. So the situation is that after my marriage of almost 20 years and three kids ended, I slowly started dating this guy who's been married three times. Maybe that's a red flag, but I try not to judge. The first six months was really lovely because he had a lot of the traits that my ex didn't. He was very, very good in bed, affectionate, tidy. He provides acts of service and he's a really good listener. He's very organized and schedules his life. And given we lived 45 minutes apart, we'd spend every other weekend together. And there were so many things about that that were lovely. It was really nice until the cracks started appearing in the final six months. Like he doesn't enjoy food and sees it only as sustenance and won't try anything new. So eating out was rare and I'm a bit of a foodie. He doesn't enjoy the hustle bustle of the city or the arts or concerts or museums or wineries or festivals or sports and is much more of a stay-at-home guy with his two kids who aren't all that active either. Occasionally they will go for a hike or to a movie and they will only travel in Asia since it's cheaper, never in Australia. He also thinks Australia is bleak and ugly and prefers tropical, so when we once went to Wilson's prom and he commented that it wasn't that nice. What? <laughs> we then started to fight about how it didn't occur to him to ever check in and say hello when we weren't physically together, so for over a week at a time, how I carried all the mental load of organizing anything we might do outside the home, how any sort of gift-giving or receiving wasn't something he cared about whatsoever, and how he basically was lacking in cognitive empathy, although he had a high degree of emotional empathy and was essentially almost Buddhist in his care for spiders and all forms, forms of life. Now, it's been one year since we broke it off for these reasons, and I've dated rather unsuccessfully, and he is reaching out and wanting to get back together, and I'm being very open about these things and how he would need to consider my needs a lot more than he ever has. But when someone is neurodiverse, do you just take them as they are and accept this and appreciate their amazing qualities? If they can't understand us and our needs, is that okay? Okay. I'm thinking I can't go there again, but then I question my compassion and tolerance sometimes. I can't be the only one who's had a challenging time navigating a, navigating a relationship with a neurodiverse partner. So I'd really like to hear your thoughts, Nellie. Thank you. Jacinta Parsons, can I
0: just, like, there's so many things. My head's exploding but one of the things I want to say first of all before I come to you is the idea that someone is, and I quote, almost Buddhist in their love and reverence for an ant, but can't be for their partner. That is the thing that where the place I'll be starting. But let me go to you, dear Jacinta. What do you hear? What do you say?
3: Gimme me, gimme give me. Look, I hear so much in this as well. And what I hear Really clearly, and I think even if we frame it in the way that you have described this last hour, Nellie, around what we ask for. Yeah. So if you have someone who was able to deliver that for six months Mm. and went, actually, that was a mask and I'm unable to keep it up, Mm. but that was what sustained you and Mm. nurtured you and was good for you, Mm. It's absolutely beautiful and fine that that human exists in the way that they do, but it doesn't nurture you or mm.
2: sustain you.
3: That's a massive, I'm just going to say it. I'd say bump out, no yeah. whammies, no whammies or whatever yeah. that was to say. I say you are, and the way that you've also framed it in the call around not um, having successful dating. Mm. Therefore, maybe I was being, no, you're not. Nah. Nah. You're, What did you want to say about it? Because you'll have much more wise words than I have. Oh, I
0: don't know that I will because I'm actually, I'm quite, like I'm heightened, if I'm honest. Like there's so many (laughs) things. I'm triggered. I'm emotional. There's so many things I want to say. It it,
3: it is a bit emotional.
0: It is really emotional. And I really respect and understand, and I hope that the listeners do as well, that there is always a balance between accepting people, whether it's they're neurodivergent, whether they have, a mental illness, whether they have a different personality to you, maybe they have a health condition, maybe all these things. um, Of course, we want acceptance and tolerance. That does not mean he's the right person for you. No. Your needs matter. That's the thing that I want to say unequivocally. Who knows whether or not he's unable to fulfil your needs because he's neurodivergent. Maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe it's his personality. Maybe he can't be bothered. Maybe he doesn't see it as important. Maybe he does and can't do it. none of us know all you can go on is what he is doing. He's hurting you.
3: Yeah. Right? He's not an addition. Yeah. He's a subtraction to yeah. the life that you see yourself living. Your mm. life is full of love and joy I mean, how boarders can you be if you go to the Wilson's (laughs) pool and not see the beauty?
0: (laughs) And you know what? This one sounds like a joke, but I mean it sincerely as someone who has a neurodivergent kid. You're not his mum. Yeah. Right? If you were his mum, you need to accept all those things and you need to work with all of those things and you will love him till the day both of you die. You are not his mum. You are seeking a partner. I wanted to give you an example actually and see how this lands with you. Because of course I emailed her back. I was a little bit worried um, about this particular call. Sometimes I'm like, I need to contact you before the episode's going to come out. So I found a few articles and there was a case study. I'll make it brief, but essentially there was a an autistic uh, man married to a neurotypical woman and He, similar sort of thing, the first sort of before they were married, um, very happy to do birthdays, Christmas, presents, I love yous, whatever. Once they got married, pretty much started saying, those things are stupid. Like, they don't make sense to me. Those things are for kids. You shouldn't need them. And over time, she started, because she was trying to be tolerant and because she was trying to accept him as he was, she started to deny her own needs. Worse than that, then go, oh, I am stupid for wanting a birthday present. Oh, it is silly of me to want him to say Happy Valentine's Day. Oh, I shouldn't ask for. Over a course of years, she diminishes herself so much she can't even recognise herself.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I hear that in this call, the potential for that.
3: Ah, uh, I agree that I hear that in that call as well. Yeah. Because what it's about is undermining what you are and who you are to accommodate somebody else Mm. who has every right to be that somebody Mm. else, who doesn't like nature, who likes Mm. an ant, doesn't like beautiful. I'm just going to keep harping on about Wilson's Wilson's yeah
1: Red flag.
3: No. That humanity is perfect. Wonderful human he might be, but he doesn't serve what you need. You need which is a whole range of other stuff and you shouldn't change those needs mm. uh, just to suit and fit the capacity of somebody else mm.
0: you know when what it, there is someone for him that someone is not you no because if you want i'm i feel like she's seeking and i understand this as a kind of a person who tries to live in the world as someone who's loving and accepting as do you she's i think she wants permission I'm going to give you permission, girl, to not date this guy. And I'm going to give you that permission from the point of view of someone like I would lay on the freeway for my kid. Like I am obsessed with this child. I love this child. I am, you know, Daenerys Targaryen. I've got my fucking dragons, the whole thing. I would say to you, honestly, I and I mean this with love, I wouldn't want her dating you because she would feel bad about herself. She would know that she's not fulfilling the needs that you have. So even if you can't look at it from your point of view, look at it from his. There'll be a point at which he feels like shit, like he's getting everything wrong, where he may not even understand why you're upset.
3: Hallelujah, Nellie Thomas. If I could give you a chairlift right now and run you around (laughs) in celebration, or if I could do BMX, I would do a freaking (laughs) weird Because that's a really good reframing, a really yeah. important one that I think need, if you can take personal responsibility, it's yeah. that. It's mm. that. Actually, I'm not right for you because yeah. I want like things that you can't give me. Yeah. You can't. I could pretend for six months as well that yeah. I don't. But at a fundamental, very important level, I do. So yeah. therefore, are, the, the disservice is on both sides. And I think that's is really good for people to reframe in that way because it stops that, should I be kind? Well, yeah. you're not kind, actually. No. Without being harsh, you're beautiful. Mm. I, really, I would marry that woman. Yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but he's going to but- get worn down. So in, and again, I'm doing the case study because I don't want to personalise it with this particular person. In that case study, for example, the husband ended up agreeing, well, I won't buy you a present, but I'll get you a cake. But then he'd get a cake And he wouldn't blow the candles out and he wouldn't do the cut and he wouldn't sing happy birthday. And basically he'd seethe and he'd be angry and resentful. So he's feeling like shit. She's feeling like shit. He's going, well, I did what you asked. And she's like, yeah, but you haven't done it joyfully. You don't really, you've made it very clear you don't want to do it. So no one's happy. What's the answer? You're not right for each other.
3: Oh, what a relief. That makes things so simple.
0: Right?
2: Doesn't it?
3: Get your cake. <laughs>
0: Blow out your candles. Blow out your fucking candles and you that are better off on your own and I don't mean that as a, a lesser option. Be on your do not compare him to some dickheads you've dated that doesn't make him the right one.
3: No. Oh gosh, you are good. I I'm with you. I'm behind you all the way. I'm the big uh, I'm playing a trombone in the band. Love Love it. Correct. If, if it is a cake, I'm saying don't
0: even go to the supermarket and buy a mud cake. I'm saying order yourself one online, get your bloody name put on it, have sparklers. I don't care if you're on your own with that fucking cake. You eat that cake, kid. <laughs> <laughs> all of it. <laughs> all right. A bull
3: situation. Put it on Instagram. I'll share it. Just sit to all share it. i oh, bloody share it. Is should she even have a cake? I don't think she has a cake. No.
2: It's
3: a metaphoric cake. Yes.
0: Yes. But genuinely, can I just say, in all, like right, from the heart, your needs matter. And if yeah. he can't, it's different if it's your kid, it's different if it's a co worker, there's a whole range of situations in which it's different. But you don't have to be in a relationship with anyone that either can't or won't
3: meet your needs. This, again, and we're going over the same ground, but I'm having great moments of the way you've explained this is so important because I think it's gendered, that there's a sense of selfishness with needs. Mm. But, again, the reframing of that where you think, well, actually, my needs are are there.
1: Yeah,
3: My being selfish by expecting somebody that is not capable of meeting them to participate. Mm. and so therefore it's not about selfishness it's about duty of care yeah. really 100 like, to both oh, of you that helps
0: i think a lot good if you can't do it for yourself on and i mean this genuinely do it for him because yeah. down the track he'll be going i oh, know i'm getting everything wrong i can see it i can sense it you said he's got a high emotional intelligence he will know that you're upset that you're resentful Don't put him in that position either. Let's move on, my darling, to my favorite two segments. No shade on my ex. I don't even know how many exes you've got and whether you can do that. You can do someone else's ex. Um, And then lastly, we go, there are 10 but. So you're on a date with like the ideal human being and then they do something where you go, oh, fuck that, I'm out. So no shade on your ex. Have you got an ex story that you can share or someone else's?
3: It was like back in the, you know, 16th century. That Love. I, elsewise. I'm just thinking I should have done my homework on this. Um, Park his horse and
0: cart out the front of your dad's place. Like.
3: <laughs> when he lifted to his top hat and said toodle pip"? I was like, shush it. Shush it on your toodle Bedpan was not pristine. <laughs> That's right. And the wolf smell, my God. No, it was so long ago I kind of remember. I have no memory that substantial. I mean, I went out with my very, I still am in contact with my very first boyfriend. Oh, adorable. When I was 16 years of age and we catch up and have such a beautiful relationship, I would like to say, because we knew each other when. Yeah, yeah. We've definitely put the golden light over it. Yeah. yeah, this is good. lovely. But yeah, it's really good. So that's as good as I can go with that. So
0: when we go no shade, you actually have no shade. You just have golden light. Wait till I get some history and get me right. back. Shade, me back shade. Let's go. There are 10, but so you are, I'm picturing for you Keanu Reeves. <laughs> that's just
3: who I'm picturing. <laughs> I'm not letting you set me up with anyone if you can set me up with Keanu Reeves no no oh, all right give me a genre oh uh, like um you know a poet kind of feel maybe oh
0: I've got yeah oh you're in for a whole lot of trouble there yeah, but- I know. I've got to
3: shut that up shush it
0: all right so you're on a date with this fabulous poet and everything's going well and then they do something preferably superficial you know mm-hmm. like they scrape their fork on the plate or something what is it where you go oh fuck I'm out of here
3: Oh god I really should have done my homework on these questions um you know my absolute this is not going to work uh with us D- look okay yeah. i have whatever that thing is called where if you slurp yeah you i can't even, can't even it. it's like we we could get into some situation here if you slurp because yeah. like i can't yeah. yeah, can't do it. Misophonia, it's called. Yeah. yeah, it's real. It's alive. Yeah. yeah. Good, good point. I might find some slurping scenarios just to see whether that's going to be. Well, it. But- you did tell me before we um, started
0: talking on air that you're off to Tokyo and I can tell you you're going to hear some slurping, my doll. You no.
3: Know, how does one? One just breathes and feels strong feelings. It's <laughs> yeah. training, isn't it? It's all training, and again, like
0: our caller, that doesn't mean that you have to write off the country of Japan. No. What it means is that you can't personally marry someone who's a slurper.
1: That's right.
0: Different you things.
3: Slip away, slip away, slip
0: away. Me. This is not going
3: to be biblical.
0: No, I'll breathe through it, but I'm not going to bump uglies with you.
3: That's right. <laughs> there we are. Thank you. It's this is great <laughs> therapy for me. I haven't thought this, is this good. If you're feeling. Account. If you're feeling too superficial,
0: let me just tell you that previous guests have said things like if they had pointy shoes that were straight at the end. You know those shoes, like those mobster
3: shoes? Oh that God, kind of... I actually agree with that. Shoes is my criteria. I've used that as a criteria. Shoes... Or someone, Scott Brennan went on a date with a
0: guy who they went on a walk and he kept fighting. <laughs> We try and go, because we go relatively deep in the other areas of the podcast, we're like, come on,
3: own it. Like, what is No, own it. No, I'm very superficial and that stuff really affects me. And shoes, I'm just agreeing now. Now I'm on a roll. Shoes, and I agree with the square bit up the top. Yeah. And, you know, shoes with casual pants, like tracksuit. Right. Oh, yeah, I can't do that. That upsets me at a cosmic level. And I don't trust you if you've done that. And Mine just-
0: is uh, middle-aged ladies with multicoloured hair, right? <laughs> <laughs> There's a particular genre of middle-aged ladies. She's probably in a leopard print. She's got multicoloured hair. She's probably saying, I don't really like attention. You're going, you sure about that, doll?
3: Are you sure? <laughs> I'm scared I'm going to be one of those women.
2: You are? You know?
3: <laughs> yeah. I'm going into that. They'll be purple and green. And a little bit of pink, just a flash. Oh, my God.
0: Mm. So much so. Oh, my God. You are the best. Chuck you're out the best. rest. I'm are you coming back, back on?
2: Yes. Please, this for
0: seconds,
3: nurturing for my soul.
0: I Thank love you. it. And will you please help me when you're ready? When? And I will wait as long as it takes when you're ready. I want to help you navigate the big bad jungle out there.
3: You bloody set me off, Keanu Reeves, though. I'm coming for you. All right, all right. Keanu, okay. there'll be someone
0: listening who will take Keanu. Let me tell you.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, Keanu—that's the point you've made. Keanu's not for great for everyone. Not for everyone. Not for you. Need a poet. You want well, bloody Nick Cave, don't you? I, no, I really don't. I think I'm mis—I'm misguided with that idea because the reality of it is not actually what I want. I don't Girl, want. Me-
0: we need to have dinner, and I'll talk you through a poet experience or two. Let me tell you. This is not the genre you should be seeking. Definitely not beat.
3: No jazz either. No jazz in my life. And no one scatting. No, no scat- fucking scatting. <laughs> I took my little guy to go and see some jazz fusion when he was really little. God knows why. Anyway, we we're there. I pushed him up to the front as any good Tiger Mum would. Yeah. And he turned around to me because he was wedged between two very large adults and he had a tear rolling down his eye and he said, Get me out, out. of here. <laughs> <laughs> I said, there's only one more song, knowing full well that that song was going to go for 15 minutes.
0: Oh, my! I'm calling this episode's going to be subtitled. Get me out of here. That <laughs> is heaven. <laughs> I couldn't love it more. Now I'm going to put links to your book. Thank you. Radio program to everything else I can find in the show notes. For those who are coming along to the live show, I believe you'll
3: be present we will
0: be. With your darling friend, Sammy Shah, among others. And we will get you back on very shortly for Sloppy Seconds. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you.
2: Bye-bye, darling. Dear Nelly, I could use some advice. Dear Nelly, yes, yeah, some help would be nice. Dear Nelly, I'm eager to hear your point of view. Dear Nelly, there's a lot to explore. Dear Nelly. for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, thanks so
0: much for listening to Dear Nelly. Now, don't be shy. I would love to hear your questions and comments. To send me a recording or an email, go to nellytomas.com and follow the links. It's super easy, and you might hear me talk about your question in a future episode. Huge thanks to producer Sam Peterson from the Producer Boy Creative Production team and to producer Faye Younger, who in addition to being an excellent human, is also a brilliant real estate buyer's advocate and can be found at YoungerHill.com. Thanks to ACAST and all the team. And lastly to you, without the listeners, I'm just a middle-aged mole talking shit to no one. Please rate, review and consider subscribing for five bucks a month for a bonus episode and to help me keep the lights on. And tell your bloody mates, would you?
2: I'd really appreciate it. Love yes.